0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church,
1: Sydney. Our Bible reading this morning comes from Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. The birth of Jesus foretold. And I can't help but think as I read these passages how frightened Mary must have been. And yet, how faithful How obedient she was. I'm reading from verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary the angel went to her and said, "'Greetings, you who are highly favoured. "'The Lord is with you.'" Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, "'Do not be afraid, Mary. "'You have found favour with God. "'You will conceive and give birth to a son,' I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her.
0: Thanks, David. Thank you, Annie. And good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Our um, brothers and sisters up at Taramara, I'm sure, send their greetings. Not literally, but in spirit, I'm sure that they send their greetings to you this morning. It's uh, always such a joy to be preaching because I get to see the whole expanse of the Northside family uh, on one day. And, uh, and that's it's a joy for me. And um, anyway, I wish you could all be in the car with me. I've only got a very small Yarra, so you can't be... Anyway, it's been a great morning. Uh, I'm going to pray. Oh, I'm Emily. If we haven't met before, one of the ministry team here at Northside uh, and have the privilege of sharing God's word with us this morning. So let's pray and, uh, and we'll get into it. God, I thank you that you are with us, that you, um, you, God, you have something to say to us this morning, each one of us. And so I ask that you would give us ears to hear you that you would give us trusting spirits, God. You would give us eager hearts, hearts that are eager to hear you, hearts that are eager to follow you, hearts that are eager to walk in the freedom that you promise us. So God, would you come and have your way? Would you come and do what only you can do, God? We, We trust that what this passage says is true, that no word from God will ever fail. And so in these moments that follow, we step out onto your word, trusting in its power, trusting that you speak to it, speak to us to change our hearts and our lives through your word. So speak, God, we're listening. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, Well, this is a special message for me. Um, Many of you will know that there's a little bit happening in my life at the moment. Um, So I'm getting married in 13 days. (laughs) Ah! Oh, I wasn't hunting for an applause. Thank you. It's really kind. Um, so there's there's um, there's lots happening, as you can imagine, lots of lots of things to do, but super exciting. It's um, a, a wonderful, wonderful um, chapter in my life. Um, and many of you will know that at the same time I'm going to be finishing up uh, at Northside. Um, my last Sunday will be in December, 15th of December, um, but I'll basically be wrapping up my work um, on the Tuesday, the 17th of November, and then before I get married and go away on my honeymoon moon and then come back uh, for the farewell. And last Sunday, once Sam is back um, from long service leave. Uh, So it means that this is my last sermon here. Um, I know. So I feel a little bit sentimental about it. Um, It's because I love um, this community and you guys and entering into God's word together. This is not a one-way monologue. This is a moment in which God I have a particular role to play, but I am still part of this congregation. Every preacher is as they bring the word, and so I I sit under this word with you, um, and so I love doing that as part of this community, as part of this congregation. And um, so this is this is a special moment for me um, in in doing this and in taking this this step uh, to move on to follow Jesus and uh, to follow the path that I sense that He's leading me down. Um, that's a, it's always a courageous and a vulnerable thing to follow Jesus and to step out onto His word and. What you sense that he's asking you uh, to do, and um, and as you might imagine, that kind of step takes takes some faith. It takes some. Um, it's not a decision that you make lightly. It's one that you enter into this period of questioning when you you kind of go through this process of wrestling with your own resistance in coming uh, to recognize and accept God's will. Uh, any step of faith, I think, requires that um, to coming to recognize and accept God's invitation. That's another way of putting it. I don't know if you've had an experience that's similar. Um, I sense that many of you probably have coming to wrestle with what is God, what is it that you're asking me of this and then taking the step to step out onto that. Um, It takes us a while sometimes to get on board with what God is asking of us um, or what people are asking of us in life. I had one example when I was in uni. Now, don't judge me. Okay. Just going to put that out there. It was a long time ago. Does anyone remember when Epping Road from kind of Epping down to maybe like Lane Cove or or North, North Ride, the speed limit changed from 80 to 70? No one? Can you just put your hands up so I don't feel so alone? Thank you. That was like... <laughs> So I refused. I'm just going to tell you, I disagreed with the lawmakers. I thought, no, I'm sorry, but this is an 80 kilometer an hour road. It should not be 70. You're slowing me down. So I persisted in driving at 80 for quite, I know, don't be shocked. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm ruining my reputation. It's a long time ago. That's what I said. Don't judge me. Um, And so I I eventually, eventually, now I drive at 70 on Epping Road. But I eventually, but for some time I was like, it took me a long time to get on board with the fact that the law had changed and that the speed limit uh, was now 70 along Epping Road. Um, I don't know if you had an experience, might be a silly one. Well, I don't know it's really silly, illegal. um, But it might be a silly example like that. Um, Maybe it's something else. It's taken you a while to get on board with something that someone has asked of you. Maybe even something that God has asked of you. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and God is asking something of you today. You know in your heart of hearts that God is prodding you about something. God is nudging you about something and it's taking you a bit of a while to wrestle through your own resistance and to get on board with it. And So this is a message for you this morning. This is a message for all of us, um, as we really wrestle with our resistances and go through the process of getting on board with what God asks of us. Now, following Jesus is really hard, particularly uh, when we sense that God um, might have been silent for a while, making and that can make it hard to trust trust Him now or something. Or well, maybe we too, it's, it's it feels really risky to hope in God's word because we don't want to be disappointed. Or maybe when we know all the reasons why not to step out onto God's word, because of all the things that we might lose, or all the things that might be um, that we that we're afraid might happen if we were to step out. Um, and so, thankfully, we have some people to inspire us on this journey one of whom is Mary, the mother of Jesus, who I actually had no idea was such an inspiration. Sounds terrible. I've been hearing the Christmas story for 35 years and I still didn't realise that Mary was such an inspiration until I started preparing this message. But she's incredible. She is such an inspiration. And um, and part of the reason that she is such an inspiration is because of her story's backdrop. So God's people, the Jews, Israel, they'd been waiting for a couple of thousand years for God to come good on a promise that he had made. And so as you can imagine, they start to lose hope. The situation is looking pretty hopeless that God would ever fulfill his promise, that his people, the Israelites, would be uh, a nation through which God would bless the whole world, that they would be a light to the nations, and that out of Israel would emerge the promised one, uh, the one who would be the king of kings and the lord of lords, the one who would make everything right And Israel, God's people, are still waiting for this promised one. And it looks like it's game over. It looks like God is never going to deliver on his promise. And who would want to follow a God that they can't trust? Anyone ever felt like that? We'll come back to that later. (laughs) And so when no one was expecting it, when it looked like it was game over, when it looked like there was no hope, um, God busts back onto the scene to fulfill his promise on the backdrop of this expansive silence. He sends the angel Gabriel, not once but twice, uh, to announce the birth, the unexpected birth of two children, one of whom would be finally the promised one. The promised one, the Jews have been waiting for, and now it's important that we catch the contrast between Gabriel's two visits, uh, because it, it because we're going to be focusing on Mary. She's the second visit, but the contrast I think is very intentional by Luke, who writes this, and I think the contrast is there in order to show just how inspiring Mary is in her response of faith to God. Now the first visit, uh, the first time God breaks his silence in hundreds of years and breaks onto the scene is through this angel Gabriel, to, and, and he visits an established, well-connected, financially secure male priest uh, called Zechariah. He shows up one day, Zechariah goes to work in the temple, he's burning some incense, it was his turn to go in and burn the incense, and all of a sudden, next to the altar, after hundreds of years of God's not shown up to anyone... There's this angel appearing to Zechariah and he tells Zechariah that even though he and his wife are old, they're going to have a son and the son would be great in the sight of God and he would prepare the way for the Lord's arrival. Now, I don't know what's going on quite with Zechariah. I don't know if he expected that an angel who'd been sent from God to the first time for the first time in hundreds of years, I don't know if he expected that he'd be lying, uh, but for some reason he doesn't believe him some reason, uh, he just says, how can I be sure? We're really old. It doesn't, this angel has shown up. And I can just imagine that the angel's like, you're kidding. Like, <laughs> like and he literally says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. <laughs> like, and he doesn't believe. But you know why I think it is? It's because he, leans, he sees the whole situation through human possibility rather than divine possibility. He sees a situation through his own human circumstances and his own human experiences as opposed to through what could be possible through God's word. He says, how can I be sure? And Gabriel's like, oh, you're kidding. But we get it, right? We get it. It can be really, following Jesus is really hard. It can be really hard to put your whole weight out onto God's word when human experience might indicate otherwise, when your human circumstances might indicate otherwise. So let's not be too hard on old Zechariah. But thankfully for us, uh, Gabriel's second meeting goes a lot better than the first does. Uh, It's not a meeting with someone who's established or connected or secure. It's not a meeting with someone who's educated or well-known or experienced. Uh, It's with a young female nobody called Mary. And she shows Zechariah, the priest, the kind of honest, humble faith that opens the door to being involved in God's story and to a life of deep meaning and deep purpose. And so the story goes on that Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, who, by the way, is related to Mary, do fall pregnant. And in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's when Gabriel makes his visit uh, to Mary. Now, we don't know how old Mary is at the time, but in that culture she could have been as young as 12. Uh, We don't know exactly. But she lived in this little backwater town called Nazareth that no one had ever heard of. There might have been about 500 people who lived there. It was never mentioned in the Old Testament, so people don't know exactly where it is and and so Luke has to spell out oh it's in Galilee it's kind of like someone says where's George's Heights and you say, oh it's in Mosman. you know like we oh it's 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 in uh, it's in Galilee that's where Nazareth is And Mary is pledged to be married to Joseph. A pledge is, uh, it's a lot stronger than engaged is for us today. A pledge was so strong that it required a divorce to break it. Uh, So remember that that'll become important later in the story. So that's her situation. Um, And uh, um, God sends this angel Gabriel to this young nobody in a nothing town after years of silence and says to her, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. When the whole nation had doubted that God was with them at all anymore, he shows up to a nobody in a nothing town. The Lord is with her. What is with that? What does that tell you about your God? That out of everybody he could have been with, that he could have showed up to, that he could have invited to play this part in this story, that that is who he showed up to. It's amazing. amazing. What kind of God is it who favors the poor and the unqualified and the humble? Now, how would you expect Mary to respond? How would you respond? Put yourself in Mary's shoes if this were you. Would you respond with joy? Would you respond with excitement? Would you respond with gratitude that God was with you, that He considered you um, somehow through His grace worthy uh, to play this part? Maybe unsurprisingly, she responds quite the opposite way. Uh, She responds to the unexpectedness of God choosing her when she's so unlikely and so unimportant. Uh, She says that she was greatly troubled and the great fear and the original language there for greatly troubled actually is really afraid and the angel says to her, don't be afraid. Uh, But the fear that she had was even stronger than Zechariah's fear, which again underlines the the greatness of her response and how she responds so differently to him. (coughs) And fair enough, too, that she felt that way. Have you ever felt afraid when you sense God calling you into something that you felt completely inadequate for? I have. I'm sure lots of us have. And then Gabriel drops the bomb of what is going on, what is this great announcement that God is bursting back into the scene of history for, that he's going to fulfil his 2,000-year promise and he wants Mary to be part of the adventure. I'll let you read that while I have some water. Now, there are two huge bombshells in this for Mary. The first one is that, okay, this is happening. The promised one is coming. She's the first one to know. Well, Zechariah, there was a hint in there, but she's the first one to know. Out of all of Israel, she's the first one to know that this is happening. God has not forgotten us. God is coming good on his promise. This is happening. God is faithful. And the second one is, oh, right, I'm going to be his mother. It's a bombshell. Those are two huge things. And I love her response, particularly in light of that, and particularly compared with Zechariah's how can I be sure. Mary's very accepting of what's going to happen. She's just interested in the mechanics of how, how exactly is this going to work. She's very accepting of what, what God is calling into. It's like, okay, but but just talk me through talk me through how, how exactly you're gonna make this work. She's very trusting of God's power and God's the logistics, <laughs> God's power and God's might, and very willing, which is incredible. Now, Gabriel explains, and I love this, that like years before, when God would overshadow the temple where Israel, where the Jews would go to worship, and he would overshadow the temple and fill it with his presence. In the same way, the Holy Spirit would overshadow Mary and fill her with his presence. Literally, in embryonic form. Isn't that unreal? What does that tell you about God, that he would incarnate himself in embryonic form, in the womb of a nobody from a nothing town, when he could have chosen the womb of Elizabeth, the wife of the priest. He doesn't. He chooses Mary. And God makes himself that small, still completely God. What does that tell you about him? That he favours the humble and he favours the poor in that way. That he shows such solidarity with all of humankind. I'm not answering the question. That's just for you to think about. And he reassures her of the stability of what she steps out onto if she accepts this invitation, that no word from God will ever fail, that, Mary, you can be confident that if you accept this, that if you step out onto the word of God and see this in light of divine possibilities, instead of, as Zechariah did, see this in light of human possibilities and lean on human experience and lean on human circumstances, no word from god will ever fail this is a sure and a certain thing to step out into what reassurance i love how god's a gentleman in this he doesn't force this on her he doesn't force her into it doesn't ever do that with us either but he waits on her response and how good is this i am the lord's servant may your word to me be fulfilled what a posture Her whole life is about to change and she is taking an enormous step of faith, saying yes to God's invitation in this, saying yes to his will for her. What a story. What a story. And, I mean, really, it speaks for itself. There is so much in there uh, that, God, I've just told you the story and kind of been a tour guide and pointed out bits and pieces. Oh, look at that, look at that, along the way as we've kind of weaved through the story. Uh, And it speaks for itself, but I just want to just briefly call out and highlight three key ways from this story that I think Mary is a real inspiration for us, Um, three key ways that her faith demonstrates something really powerful for us that we can adopt in our lives today. So if you're a note taker, this is your moment. The first one is this. She is a completely unexpected choice uh, for God to work through. Completely and utterly unexpected, which is very good news for those of us who feel unexpected, who feel like, I couldn't, I wouldn't be the one that God could choose to work through. I'm not qualified. I don't have anything going for me. I'm not talented. I'm not gifted. I don't have the personality I think I need to have. People don't listen to me. Whatever it might be. Uh, nothing disqualifies you from the work of God. You don't need to, you don't need to be qualified. Uh, he can take you wherever, wherever you're at and wherever you've been um, and work through you into your future. She has no credentials. She has nothing on her resume. She lives in a town no one's heard of. But you know what she does have? She has availability and willingness. And those are the two basic things that anyone could offer to God, simply being available and being willing from him to work through you. God chooses time and again to work through the unlikely and the humble. All you have to do is be willing and be available. Say yes. The untrained ones are often the ones, then, the ones who think they're not up to the task are often the ones that God does his most powerful work through. we experienced this on alpha for those of us who served earlier this year in alpha at the end of the at the end of the course we had a holy spirit day and we went away both taramara and crow's nest alphas and before we before all the guests came the team we got together and we were like holy moly what are we doing we're creating a space and we're going to invite the holy spirit to come and meet with people and we are so far out of our depth and we have no idea what we're doing none of us have done it before we are so ill-equipped God help, we're just this room full of inadequate people and God showed up and touched people's lives in the most remarkable ways. It was the most extraordinary day seeing how God moves through a bunch of people who recognize their inadequacy but are willing and available. If you have ever longed for God to work through you but felt like you had nothing to offer, well, today is your lucky day. Every, actually, every day is your lucky day, but today is your lucky day because I'm going to tell you <laughs> that if you have your available and you are willing, God can work through you. Can, through You you can be part of this same adventure and this same great story. You don't need to have it all together. You just need an available and a willing heart. Secondly, note takers, she shows courageous obedience Look at her response again at the end. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's remarkable. Now, this is courageous, primarily because there were a lot of good reasons for Mary to say no, for Mary to not step into this. If she were to look at her human circumstances, as Zechariah did, then she probably would have been saying the same thing like how can I be sure this is not this is what's going on for instance firstly she's not married she doesn't have the security that that brought in that culture and secondly she risks being expelled from her betrothal to Joseph as we read later in that story that nearly happens anyway and also she risks being harmed or even killed because there was a death penalty for adultery in those days you don't know, just go around being a pregnant virgin um, and, and nobody bats an eyelid. You know, some things, they people, there was, you got stoned to death uh, for adultery. If were, I think if you were, maybe anybody, anybody in that culture, I'm not sure, don't quote me. Uh, but you got stoned to death for adultery. That was, was in their laws. Um, I don't know if it happened all that often, but there was a risk for that. And still she trusts that no word from God will ever fail. And so she steps out into an obedience that was more important to her than her own comfort and safety. Do you catch that? Obedience to God was more important to her than her own comfort and safety was. And so, my question to you, church, this morning is how important is obedience to God to you? Is it an optional extra in your faith? What kind of relationship do you have with God? Do you have the kind of relationship with, with him where you want to do what he asks of you or at least you want to want to do what he asks of you? Or is the kind of relationship that you have with him, perhaps have with him at the moment, the kind where he is, he is one of many advisors who sends a telegram with his advice from far afield and you collate them and you look at all the different advice from, from Jesus and from different ones and you then decide what you're going to do. What is your relationship with him like? How important is obedience to Jesus? Is it more important to you than your own comfort and safety as it was to Mary? The obedient posture is not a popular one. And yet there is something about a posture of surrendered obedience to God, a willingness to yield your own will to his that is the gateway to a life that's bigger than yourself. If you follow your own will, then that's going to be about how big your life is. But if you're willing to yield your will to God's, to bring it up into His will, then all of a sudden your whole life expands. All of a sudden you're meeting people and feeling ways and experiencing things that you never dreamed possible. Thirdly, she doesn't resist. Which is quite remarkable. How will this be? In first, verse 34, Mary asked the angel, Since I'm a virgin, she's just interested in the mechanics. In verse 38, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. There's no resistance. She's not stuck in her ways, is she? She's not a hinge that is rusted into place and won't budge. She's a well oiled hinge that has lots of give and is ready to be moved one way or the other by her maker. And you know what? Her lack of resistance is actually what opens the door to being involved in God's purposes. It is so easy, isn't it, not to get stuck in our ways but stuck in our wills, to become rusted, shut, To become rusted into place and in so doing, closing the door to being able to be used by God and involved in his plans and involved in his purposes. We get stuck in our wills. And it means that when God comes along and prods us about something and says, hey, you know that colleague at work, you really need to forgive them. There's resistance it means when he comes along to us and says, I see that person over there, I think it'd be great if you took them a cold glass of water because they're really hot today, whatever it might be, and there's a resistance in you because of the rust. Is that making sense? He, and God encounters resistance in us when we've become stuck in our wills. And I believe that this morning the Holy Spirit, for many of us, wants to come along. The Holy Spirit is described in the Bible in different ways, like an oil, to apply oil to the hinges of our lives, to our wills, to start to give us a bit more give, a bit more movement. Not just because that's what he wants, but you know what? He wants that for us because what are hinges designed to do? Are they designed to be rusted into place? No, hinges are designed to give and move and be flexible that's what we are designed for. That's what you were designed for, to, to live a life that opens the door to being involved in God's purposes, not just for you but for other people. Can you imagine a community of people that lived lives that was so malleable or so movable by God that we as a community would open the door wide into the kingdom of God for other people? What's going to happen if, we're, if we are rusted closed, if we're rusted into our own wills? God is persistent with us and he'll keep working at us. But imagine what he could do with a community that was surrendered to his will. I want to ask you quite specifically this morning to think of one area of your life. There might not be one, but is there one area of your life at the moment that you know in your heart of hearts God is nudging you about? It might be forgiving someone. Might be making a phone call to that relative you don't want to speak to. Might be talking to that colleague at work you had a fight with last week. Might be going over to pray for someone who's sick. It could be any number of things. It could be starting a new venture. It could be talking to someone um, at church who you see is new and lost, um, and you can see they need a friend, but you don't really want to go out of your way. So many things it could be. What is one thing that God is nudging you about at the moment? Have you got it? Just one thing. And here's, I want to walk you through just four, four things that I think can be helpful in us, for us, because I think for a lot of us, when God nudges us on things, there's resistance. Sometimes there's not, but often there is a resistance um, that we feel, and it's, it's, a, it's important to start to, be, to start to learn to be aware of our own resistances. Sometimes we're just not aware of them but to start to work through them. So step one, to start to move through this, to become a well-oiled hinge like Mary, to open the door uh, for being involved in the God's kingdom for us and others. Step one, recognise that you've got some resistance that's been built up. Just recognise it, own it. I'm stuck in my will. Secondly, ask yourself what it is you're valuing that you're clinging to. Or what would you lose if you were to yield to God's will? What would you lose if you were to become a well-oiled hinge and, and lose being rusted into place? Thirdly, ask yourself, what are you afraid of in God's will? What are you afraid that stepping out into his word might mean for you? What are you afraid you might lose? What are you afraid might be there for you if you were to step out? What are you afraid it might mean for your life or your family? And step four is simply to yield, to surrender, to abandon your will to his. There's probably other things, but I think those four could be helpful for us. If you have thought of something that God is nudging you on and you are feeling a sense of resistance in it, these four things I think will help bring you to a greater place of freedom in yielding to God's will a greater a deeper sense of meaning and joy in life. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> Why are you suggesting this? Why would you want to give away your will to somebody else? That is a terrible idea. Everybody says don't do that. That is the opposite of what I've been taught my entire life. What a dreadful idea. My question for you, if that is what you're sitting here thinking, firstly, I hear you totally, but my question for you is, uh, what kind of... I, wanna, I would love for you to articulate in your mind and your heart, what kind of God would it be a terrible idea to yield your will to? What kind of God, what kind of words would you use to describe a God that it would be a terrible idea to yield your will to? I'll give you some. be a terrible idea... Uh, to yield your will to a vengeful God. Don't do that. It would be a terrible idea to yield your will to a sadistic God or a terrible idea to yield your will to a God who doesn't want good things for you. Don't do that. That's not what we're suggesting. That is not the kind of God that Mary had. It's not the kind of God that you and I have. We have a God who leads us into freedom because he wants fullness of life for us. He wants goodness for us. He wants love for us. He wants peace and joy for us. And sometimes when we don't want to yield our will to God, I wonder if it's because we've either inherited um, the wrong picture of who God is, or possibly more pastorally, because God has seemed silent, like the Israelites experienced, and maybe Zechariah experienced. He has seemed silent. He seemed distant. He seemed inactive. He hasn't come through for you in the ways that you've wanted him to. He hasn't answered your prayers in the ways that you've wanted him to. And you feel disappointed in him. And you feel like, why on earth would I step out onto the word of somebody who I feel like I can't trust? And if that is you this morning, if you resonate with that, if something in your heart feels like it's just been pricked with a pin, I think there's an extra step for you. We'll call it step zero, before because before, I can't think of something better, before step one. And firstly, know that I've been there and it's okay to feel that way. But that's okay. And step zero is to start with telling God how you feel. Even if you're not sure he's there, just give it a go. Start your prayer with simply, God, I feel, or God, I feel like, or God, I feel like you are awful, whatever it might be. He can take it and go from there. Tell him exactly what you're concerned about, exactly what you're disappointed in, exactly what you're sensing, because he loves you and he loves for you to have honest conversations with him especially about the things that hold you back from moving into greater freedom of relationship with him and therefore freedom in your life. And so, church, north side, my question for you this this morning is, do you want to be part of something bigger than yourself? Actually, your answer might be no, which is fair enough. Do you want to be part of something bigger than yourself? If you do, Mary shows us the way to be part of something bigger than yourself, to live a big and a deep and a meaningful life. I think we all yearn for that deep down because it's what it's what I believe we're created for. God is up to something remarkable in our city. I don't know if you've seen it, I don't know if you've sensed it, but he is restoring the lost to relationships with himself. He's feeding the hungry. He is healing the sick. He's bringing hope to burned out lives. He's bridging broken relationships. He's putting the lonely in families. He's releasing justice. He's on a mission. He is up to something in our city. Many of you are part of it. So many of us are part of it. He is on the mission of a lifetime and you are invited to play a part in it. A part that only you can play because of the unique way you've been wired and created. And so what will it be? The invitation is there from God. It's up to you whether you want to say yes. And if you do, Mary shows us how. Through a humble faith that doesn't, require, doesn't lean on our own strengths through courageous obedience and through wrestling away our own resistance. I'll leave that with you to decide. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you um, for your presence and for your word. Thank you for what you're up to in our city, God. Thank you that you're not content to leave it as it is, but but you are on a mission, God, to bring peace and hope and restoration, to set things right all across our city, God, and that we have a part to play individually and collectively as a church. Help us, Jesus, to step out onto your word, to not lean on our own strength or feel like we have to, God, but to come to you with simple humility, simple willingness and availability. Would you grant us the courage we need to be obedient, God, to desire obedience over our own comfort? And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would, you would fall now on your people like oil on a rusted up hinge and that you would work away on our resistances, God, where we've become rusted into our own will and actually inhibiting our own freedom in the process and the freedom of others, God, because the door that we could open for them remains shut. Firstly, God, we're really sorry. And we ask for your forgiveness. And secondly, God, we ask that you would help to give us more movement, that you would free us up to live the lives that we, we were created, to live lives of freedom, lives of openness, lives of hope, Lives that open the way to your kingdom for others. Lives that are deep and rich in meaning and purpose in the process. We thank you for Mary's example, God. Thank you for what she paved the way for through her obedience. That we are the beneficiaries of her son, God. Your son, Jesus, who came, who lived, who died lived the life, God, that we couldn't live and died the death that we should have died and rose victorious over sin and death so that those of us who trust in him, God, would also be raised to new life and new freedom that we may live in forever. And so lift our eyes in these moments, Holy Spirit. Lift our hearts to you, King Jesus, who is seated on high at the right hand of God the Father. You are our Lord. You are the one we live for. You are the one we follow. You have our hearts. You have our lives. You have our allegiance. And so God, count us in. Continue to shape us. Continue to remove the rust, God. We want to live for you. We want to follow you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. For more info and all the latest Northside news and events, visit northsidechurch.org.au or download our app today.